Well, 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 you have found yourself here at the beginning of another 99th episode. Oh, yeah, I took some water, but I have. little Chris like that, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a cup that you like to drink out of just because you like to drink out of it? Yeah. Uh, my water cup is a, it's a cup that I got at the Oakland A's stadium, Oakland stadium. Nice. It's one of those that they serve like beer in. It's just one of those plastic ridged cups that mm. is like, 20 ounces or something it's it's from the one beer station that poured big beers rather than the crappy little ones that are maybe 12 ounces at best but this is the one that's like a good 22 ounce beer and i really like it and that is my water cup and i use it every single day and it's very very rare that i drink water from a cup other than that one yeah, I see. I have a favorite cup like that, and I got mine from a flea market. And when we started going to, to flea markets, you see all these like these old, you know, like tumbler glasses. And there, some of them were ones that like I vaguely remembered from being a kid. Like you know, they, they were like the glass ones they would sell at McDonald's or something like that. You know, that are you know nice enough, but they like you I don't know, probably bought them for like three bucks or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so like I always kind of kept my eye out because I didn't want to arbitrarily buy one. And then one day I found one that um, is, I believe it is, yeah, it's a McDonald's one. And it's actually a pretty, like, hefty, heavy-duty one. Um, and it's a Disney one and has a bunch of Disney stuff on it. And it's like, I like Disney a lot. Um, I'm very fond of Disney from my childhood. But it's not like, you know, the equivalent of finding, like, a Ninja Turtle glass or a 49ers glass or, you know, to I guess baseball Dodgers glass. Like, I, it's not something like that. It's just like, huh okay, I like this one, and I got it. I liked the feel of it. I liked the shape of it. And so it's, like, my my favorite glass. So it's, like, anytime it's clean, I want to drink out of it. So that's why I drink my water out of it and then my iced coffee. Hmm, okay. Cool. Yeah, This I like this glass, one, because it has the A's on it, and I like the A's, and it's, like, the one thing in my life that you would know that I like the A's from, other than if I'm wearing my A's hat. Yeah, or, you know, you're repping your big A's tattoo you got on your back when you were young and foolish. Yeah, exactly. I usually keep that (laughs) covered up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I never shave my head to have the let's go Oakland full uh, skull tattoo show up also. (laughs) So, yeah. Uh, But it's also just like the right size in that if I'm really thirsty, I can drink an entire cup of it. And, but if I'm not really thirsty and I just fill it up, it's enough water that it will last me a while where I don't feel like I, I take a few sips and it's gone. You know, it's like just that right size where it's, it's, it's the Goldilocks size. It's not so big that I can't just chug it down if I'm really thirsty in, in one setting and then refill it right there. And it's not so small that if I do fill it up, I feel like I have to keep going and refilling it all the dang time. So yeah, yeah, it's it's the perfect cup. Definitely. Now that we've talked about the perfect cup. Oh, well, yes, listeners, perfect. if you have a perfect cup out there, send a picture of it to us on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. At who's Paul at Bad Deacon. Yeah, exactly. Slip, <laughs> slip the intros in seamlessly. Nobody knows I even did it on purpose. Again, that was amazing, Paul. <laughs> big, big news for me tomorrow. Uh, first day of school. Awesome. After uh, greater than 10 years of not being in school, I finished my associate's degree in California, barely started on my bachelor's degree, and then my wife and I were just ready to get out of California. We wanted to start a family. We didn't want to do it there. We wanted we knew we were, wanted to move to Maine. Uh, we had weighed Maine against several other places, and it basically came down to we could actually afford a life in Maine that wasn't working just to live. And anywhere else we wanted to live, we'd have to work so much to live there that that's kind of what it would be. So, um, yeah, so I start on my electrical engineering degree tomorrow. I have one summer class. Big surprise is intro to electrical engineering. Cool. All right. So because of that, you know, some some nice things, like I'm recording on a new computer because I had to get a computer that wasn't a piece of crap to be able to put, uh, you know, engineering type programs on for school. 
downside of that is I had to sell my X-Men collection, which that sell is still in progress, uh, to be able to pay for said computer. Silver lining of that is I have made much more than this computer cost, so I was able to pay any other expenses I had and have money to do other things we needed to do, buy a couple things for myself, that kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. it's been interesting. But with starting school tomorrow, one of my thoughts over the last couple of weeks where it's like both of us have been in this boat, we've both been very busy with work, work has been stressful, so now I'm adding on top of that school, which is going to take up, um, you know, they say 20 hours a week of study time and work time and all that kind of stuff. And uh, so I know I'm not going to have a lot of time for stuff. Mm -hmm. So I've been thinking about how can I enjoy stuff differently or what stuff can I enjoy that is more conducive to kind of small moments of enjoyment rather than having to have these big investments in what I'm doing. So like, for example, a video game I've tried to play a couple of times, haven't successfully played past a certain point, The Witcher 3. Not a good video game anymore for me. Like, I can't invest in that and, like, really get good at it. Yeah, that seems like one of those games where you've got to put in a couple hours at a time to really get into the game and get what you're intended to get as a player from the game in terms of what's enjoyable about it. Yeah, it's pretty vast, and you got to, like, want to kind of be in all the little details of it to, I think, really get what that game gives you. The last mm-hmm. time I played it, I, I did enjoy it more, and I played it through the point where you open up, like, the whole world, and that's when I was like, nope, too much. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> See, that that's it's funny <laughs> that you have that reaction, because most people probably get to that point, and with wide eyes, it's like the door opening in Wizard of Oz, and everything is in color all of a sudden, like, wow, look at all this available to me. And instead you're like, nah, close the door. Yeah. <laughs> Too much. I'm going to go back to the Tetris. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I've been trying to think of games that I could play uh, that are you know, like easy to just pick up and put down, even if they're more complex games. Like a game doesn't have to be like simplistic for you to be able to enjoy it for like 10 minutes and put Mm -hmm. it down. Uh, But there, there are other things that can be difficult. Like if you're playing a game on the PlayStation or, you know, for you, the Xbox and you have to turn it on, let it boot up, uh, start the game, the game boots up, by the time you're even playing the game, you've spent 10 minutes. If like you literally only had a very small window of time to play, you don't have any time to play now. I don't know. My Xbox boots up pretty quickly because it's quite a remarkable device. I, I don't know what's going on with that PlayStation of yours, but maybe it's an inferior box. Hmm. Nah, it's <laughs> okay. not that. Um, it's uh, it's not that any of those things take a lot of time, but like it, it the couple of minutes, like if you literally have ten minutes, no, I get from you. When I'm gonna go, you know, <laughs> I'm just giving like you that a hard time, time disappears quickly. I know, yeah. Um, I I wouldn't know how quick Xbox boot up because I don't, uh, you know, have that ever again in my life. It's lightning um, fast, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> too fast for me, man. I, I already talked about how this video game is too big of a world for me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I need slow video games. Uh-huh. I need time to, like, think about, am I really ready for this or not while it's booting up? But, no, uh, my point with that is I have a, a Switch. So, mm-hmm. with a Switch, you just put the, you put it to sleep, you take it out of sleep. So, like, your game is always kind of actively ready to play as long as you don't let the system die, you know, from not charging it. Um, so, it's kind of a great way to play games when you're playing little snippets here on the go. So I've been looking more at games, like I have a couple of Zelda games for it, Breath of the Wild, which is a pretty big game, but then once again, if I could play in little snippets, but then my son had wanted to get, um, what's it called, uh, Link's Awakening, which was the Game Boy, Zelda, like the first uh, Game Boy Zelda game, mm-hmm. he wanted to get that, and he played it for like two minutes, like, this is too hard, and went back to playing Mario Maker in Minecraft, <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> oh, no. But so I started playing that one, and it is um, simpler... Then Breath of the Wild doesn't have the as big of a you know breadth and scope because it's it was a Game Boy game and it's it's remade from the Game Boy game but it's not like they remade it and then blew it up into something that it wasn't. So that's kind of a good game too because it's there's more to it. It's longer but it's also kind of simple. And then I've been checking out some different indie games. Uh, I know I talked about um, Limbo before. I finished mm-hmm. playing Limbo. Uh, I have the other one made by the same people called Inside. I haven't started playing that one yet. Oh, that one's so weird. 
Okay, yeah, I, yeah, I think you cool. were the one. Somebody else way. was talking about it, and then you talked about it too. And, and like between the two of you, you sold me on it because I was like, "Oh yeah, somebody told me about this game." You're like, "Oh yeah," so you know, and I got it. Plus, it was on a crazy sale. Mm-hmm. Another game I just picked up. I actually picked it up on the PlayStation. Uh, is called Little Nightmares. Have you heard of Little Nightmares? No, I haven't. Tell me about it. It first actually caught my attention when I was in GameStop just browsing around because they have that uh, uh, thing that they do. Like you sign up for their membership, right? Now you get a $5 certificate every month, which is a genius thing for them to do because then once a month you go in there and try to figure out how to spend your $5 certificate at the bare minimum. So they you know, they get you back in every month to, to buy stuff. So I'm in there just looking around, um, and these girls come in and they're looking at Switch games and they're talking about Little Nightmares. And so I was just kind of listening to them. I was like, oh, this sounds kind of interesting. And I went over and looked at the, the game after they did. There's a Little Nightmares 2 out. That's what they were there to get. That means Little Nightmares 1 is probably pretty cheap, right? Exactly. I got on oh, sale for 5 yeah. bucks. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, can't go wrong with a, trying out a $5 game. It's very similar to Limbo, except Limbo is just very, like, 2D. You just move back and forth and, you know, mm-hmm. climb or jump and stuff like that. Little Nightmares is it's still, like, it's 3D, but it's still pretty linear like Limbo is, like you move kind of from room to room and then you can explore around in that room some. So it's kind of like Limbo if you took it and just kind of brought it into the 3D world, better graphics and stuff like that. Although Limbo, like it plays the gra- like the way it does graphics, like, you know, it's playing that. Very gotcha, artistic, yeah. very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I've only, I haven't played it a ton yet, but I, I am enjoying it. It's a very similar playing experience. My son was all interested because he saw it on my playstation screen when i downloaded it and he's like oh what's that and you know he always wants to know so i was like well you can try watching me play it a little bit because it's rated teen he's also very big on on knowing the ratings of games and understanding what goes into the um the the ratings like he likes checking out the ersbs on games Hmm. which is hilarious he's like oh it's teen that means that there's blood I was like, no, you can't assume that means that there's blood because it's teen. That's one of the things that can give a game a teen teen rating. But a game can be rated teen uh, because of profanity or because of, you know, just content matter and stuff like that. And so he watches me a little bit. And then he, like, he had to go, I don't know, take a bath or whatever for school the next day. So I play a little bit more after he does. And, like, the next room I go in is there's these dangling legs. I'm like, all right, good. He can't watch this because that's somebody who hanged themselves. So I, I go in while he's in the bath, and I tell him, yeah, you know, you shouldn't watch me play that. He's like, was there blood? I was like, yeah, there was blood. He's like, I told you. It's <laughs> like, well, I guess you were right. Yeah. So a couple games that come to mind that I'm going to ask if you've played that have been that type of game for me where I can just drop in and play a little bit and leave the i guess zero item on the list because i'm guessing that this is probably not your style of game is first person shooters online i don't like playing against people Mm, yeah okay yeah because i really enjoy playing against people yeah they're all so much better than me it's yeah that's uh, annoying yeah yeah uh i i played some of like star wars battlefront online with a friend of mine and i'm the guy that's like okay run to catch up with the action run 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 run. catch out i'm dead (laughs) Yeah. Respawn. Uh, run, run. <laughs> yeah. Uh, don't, don't care playing against people. Um, I do like some games like that. Like, I played... Um, I had some friends that were playing Tom Clancy's The Division. And so I picked up The Division 2 on a sale. And I like that game because it's um, a good... Like, uh, you can play with people, too. Like, it, it's an interesting world because it's a world that there's always other people in it. But you're not necessarily, like, playing... Like, you have to engage to play, them. like, a mission with them or whatever. Mm. But the the balance between, like, the difficulty level and the realism, I think, is good. Where I think a lot of first-person shooters, the realism has gotten too great to where the difficulty level is just way too great. Like, I don't want to have to literally shoot somebody in the head to kill them before they kill me. Yeah, okay. Because my aim is not that good, and I don't plan on getting that good at it. Because, uh, you know, once again, time. <laughs> yeah, a game I played a lot that, and this isn't one I suggest, but is similar to what I was talking about is PUBG. Have you ever played that? No. It's Battle Royale style. So you drop into this island with no gear. You have to run around and find your armor and weapons and ammunition and supplies and everything. And it's each game you only have one life. 
So if you get shot in the first 30 seconds because you and another person drop in the same place and you're both scrambling around and they find a shotgun before you, boom, that your, your game's over. Interesting. Yeah, I just Googled it, too. Um, I knew it by Player Unknown's Battlegrounds Yeah, because uh-huh. I'm not, not cool like that. Um, but yeah, no, I'm actually very interested to hear about that, too, because that's something that I've never really been familiar with. So that'd be similar to, like, um, Fortnite, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think it's it's more, I think, timeline-wise, I think Fortnite is similar to PUBG. Okay. And I think PUBG was the first to make this Battle Royale-style game um, popular, and then Fortnite came along and did the same thing, and eclipsed it in popularity i think i might be wrong on the timeline there it could be that fortnite was around before but then just didn't get popular until after PUBG. I i don't i don't know that timeline i've only i've only played fortnite once in my life and after that was like nope this is not the game for me <laughs> so but what's interesting about it is that the games are a maximum of about 30 minutes long because you're on this big island, but they slowly, there's just this moving ring that is slowly contracting down. And if you're outside the ring, it kills you at first slowly and then really quickly. So it forces everybody to get into a smaller and smaller area as the game progresses. And so it there's a forced timeline to the game where it can never really last more than 30 minutes for each match. Because it just, timeline-wise, it's impossible for it to. It, it would get to the point where you're 10 feet another away from another person. And at that point, like the game's going to end really, really quickly. But it's also an incredibly tense game because with only one life, each game really matters. It's not like Battlefront where you run, 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 pow. Oh, okay. Well, respawn, run, run. Because you can't just run like that because you know that if you do get shot, the game's over. And that's it. So it really promotes being much more careful about how how you move and how you run. And just running like that in the open is an incredibly nerve-wracking situation because you never know when somebody that you don't see has seen you. And it makes for about the most tense 30 minutes of video game playing that I've ever played. But in a really interesting way because it gets me this heightened experience but without the like real life pressure of it mattering. So that that's a game I really enjoy. I've only won a match once in my life. Um each match is 100 people. I can usually get to the top 10 somewhat frequently, but I've only actually won a match once in my life. <laughs> and so that's a, a testament to the how challenging it is. So that sounds super interesting, too, because the challenge is very different. It's not like these other games we mentioned where it's stats, like you want to get the most kills. I mean, like playing playing Star Wars Battlefront, you'll play a game where the purpose of the game is something like, you know, the capture the flag type of game or, you know, mm-hmm. one of those types of games or you're playing as a team. And the goal isn't to kill the opponent. The goal is to do something else. And killing is just a, you know part of how to accomplish that. But you get yeah. people who play it just to get kills. So that's where like you're you're trying to get into the game and actually play the game, and you got somebody just sniping you because they want to get as many headshot kills as they can, mm-hmm. and they don't actually care if their team wins or not. They're just trying to pump up those stats because that's what matters to them. So this game is very different than that because, hey, if you're good at that, that's part of being successful at this game too because you're trying to survive the longest. But also, if you're sniping everybody, people are going to figure out where that sniper is and take him down. So you're making yourself a target in a different way. Yeah, but then. Also, from the you know, like from like the side of thinking me competing in it, if I play the first time and I I die first, okay. Well, if I play again and I survive one more spot, like you can progress slowly without even being very good mm-hmm. and still make progress and see it. Whereas if you're playing one of the other games and you're not very good, like you might not ever get a kill if you're playing against a bunch of people that are are just sniping everybody and they know all the spawn spots and blah 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 and all that kind of stuff. So. That sounds interesting to me because I think one component of a, of a lot of different game types that I used to love is they've boiled it all down to spend money to get things to make yourself more competitive. And it's all about the competitive. And I don't care about competitive. Like, that's a different kind of competitive, though, like what we're saying here because it's, it's 
kind of like seeing how you it, you can do your best. You know, it's like playing Mario Kart and trying to beat your lap time or something like that. You know, yeah, I like that. It's interesting. It's, it's more of an equal opportunity competitiveness. Yeah, I think because most of the time, it's it's rare in the game to be in the situation where you're in a small area in a gunfight with somebody else, like you would with like a typical type shooter where it's just mayhem. It's much more calculated where, Oh, I see this person across the field. Should I fire at them or should I not do anything because I don't want somebody else to hear me and try to locate where I am based on that sound. And so it's, it's just, it's much more, there's a lot more strategy to it than it is just pure tactics of who can aim fastest at the other person that does come into play at times, especially like there's really popular spots to drop into where there's a lot of weapons and you'll get 20 people all dropping into the same spot and then running around like crazy. And in the first minute, half the people are dead because it's just who can run to a weapon fastest and pick it up and shoot the other person type of for like for the first minute or two, that's what the game is. But then Mm -hmm. after that, it turns into this much more slow survival style game. And I played that game a lot and really enjoyed it. And I liked that I could just jump into it. And my games would last between usually 10 minutes and 30 minutes. And I I knew that it was never going to be more than 30 minutes. And so it made it a lot easy to just jump in and play this game because I know even if I get super engaged and I'm doing incredibly well, I'm not going to need to play for any more than 30 minutes at a time. Nice. Yeah. Cool. What's your next suggestion? Okay, next one. Super Meat Boy. Have you ever played that? I've never never heard of that. Okay. It's uh, an indie game. So it's one of those you would buy from like the indie game store on, on whatever. And what you are as a character is a little block of meat who is Super Meat Boy. <laughs> and he, he just has to jump around and navigate through these different levels that are filled with saws and spikes and moving this and that, lava, whatever you can imagine. Just basically treacherous things. It's a really fast game. And the controls are very tight. It's like very responsive. And they have to be because it'll be the type of game where you have to jump and then slide up a little bit off up a wall and then jump the other way to get over this big saw in the ground to get to the next area. And each level takes usually 30 seconds to get through. But it's the type of thing where you'll have to play the level 10 times to make it through in 30 seconds yeah and and so just for like a really quick action where it's it's kind of like a puzzle a lot of the games are like puzzles it's it's half puzzle and half dexterity because the puzzle part of it is figuring out oh i need to jump over to this block so that then i can jump over to this block which will fall down and i can jump off of it as it's falling to jump over to this other thing and then the other half of it is just the dexterity of manipulating the controls. But it has really good responsive controls. It's not one of those that's really frustrating. Where I, I don't know. Have you ever played a game where the controls don't seem responsive enough for what they're actually asking you to do? Like the controls are just kind of kludgy. Their character doesn't move as easily as it should. Like I've played games where there'll be a thing where it's like, okay, you have to walk across this beam to get from one rooftop to the other, except the controls are not very good. And so it's incredibly difficult to make your character like run and jump on this location and then walk in this perfectly straight line just because the controls aren't responsive enough for that. They're not like designed for that. They're designed for like, I don't know, wandering around a big open world or something. So this is the opposite of that, where the controls are designed super responsively to make you really able to achieve that um, and achieve the precision needed in the game. So that's a really fun game just for, like, I want to spend five minutes trying to play a level and boom, 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 boom. Okay, cool, I got it. And then you can just stop and 
at, at the next level. I'm actually I've been watching a, a a teaser trailer video while you've been talking, and this game does look super fun. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's one I've really enjoyed. Last recommendation, and this is another little indie game, is Braid. Have you ever played Braid or heard, no. or heard of it? It came out a while ago. It's probably 10 years old now or something like that. It is a 2D platformer, so like old Nintendo side-scrolling style game. Mm-hmm. But each level messes with time in a different way. And you have to use that as like puzzles to get through each level. For example, there will be a level where when you walk to the right, time moves forward. And when you walk to the left, time moves backward. And so like all the other things that are moving in the level will move with time accordingly. Like if there's uh, a creature walking to the left, you then move the other direction. He'll start walking backwards in reverse. And so you have to use time in interesting ways as a way to get through each of these levels. And each level is usually like a screen or two long. Like they're, they're small levels again, kind of like super meat boy where it's just this very short level that you have to get through, but it's more about the puzzle of how do I use the mechanics to get through this level? And the mechanics are all based on different ways of time progressing and so that's a, a a pretty fun, interesting one. Yeah, one looks interesting too. It's funny I googled for these games as you're talking about them, and like I, googling for Braid, uh, I got like the people also search for bar. You know, uh, Limbo mm-hmm. is on there, Super Meat Boy is on there. It's kind of ah, interesting. Okay. Inside is on there. It's interesting because you can like kind of get exposure to other games by you know googling around like that too. I've slowly kind of come across games from from talking to people or hearing people talk about different things. Another indie game that I've enjoyed that's nice because you can kind of pick it up for a while and then like you know go back to it later and is uh, Guacamelee. <coughs> excuse me, Guacamelee. Oh yeah, you've you've mentioned that one too. Yeah, me. that one. Uh, the Super Meat Boy kind of reminded me of it. Uh, a little bit different. Like there's still puzzles in the levels where you're trying to figure out how to get through them. I think Super Meat Boy is a little faster paced and more intense. Guacamelee doesn't really seem... I mean, it's rare that there's a level that I have to try multiple times. Um, kind of same thing, like, if you die, you just start at the beginning of the point you left at. So it, it there's not, like, a steep penalty for dying to where it's stressful. Um, you, that, so you can just kind of, like, plunge into something and see if it works out, and if it doesn't, you just do it again. That one's been fun. There's actually a one and two of that game. Uh, I'm still working on playing one, but I bought them both for pretty cheap on a sale. Uh, and then another game that I want to trying to figure out how to get into better uh, is one that I downloaded on your suggestion, and I'm going to totally blank on the name of it. Uh, what's the survival game that you told me about? The Long Dark. The Long Dark, yeah. I was remembering Dark, but then I was like, the Perfect Dark? I was like, no, no, no. That's Perfect no, Dark is a way older game. Yeah, I, I bought that one on a sale because you spoke so highly of it. I played it a little bit, but I just couldn't really grasp how to do what I was supposed to do. So I think I need to just, you know dive into it more maybe like look at a wiki guide or something like that to get some better clues on how to you know proceed to survive because like i don't mind poking around to figure stuff out but i also don't want to poke around for like a couple hours just to die because i couldn't figure out how to eat you know (laughs) yeah sure yeah um yeah i've been playing that game again and i'm in the middle of another long survival challenge on the long dark and i'm about 100 days in now or something like that nice I just really enjoy it. It's very relaxing to me because it's most of the game is just walking around in the wilderness and it's just these, this game of small challenges like, Oh, I'm almost out of food. I need to go hunting today. So spend a little while walking around trying to find some deer and then trying to shoot a deer with my bow and arrow. And that's it. It's, did I get the deer? I did, and it's dead, and now I can harvest it. It's just like these these small minor victories that mean, okay, I can survive for three more days. Yeah. And I just, I find it very kind of meditative, and I think it helps that the music is very, I don't want to say depressing. It's all the words that I have for it sound bad, but it's actually good. It's It's kind of bleak and lonely music very kind of quiet moody music that helps suit set the scene of being 
alive alone in the middle of a frozen wilderness and having to wander around and try to figure out how to survive. It just very much helps me relax. I don't know. For some reason, it's like the perfect game for me. I think it's a perfect game for introverts. And that's what my wife says. She said, it's like, this is the perfect game for introverts because all you do is walk around alone and like gather sticks to start a fire or go hunting or go search these old cabins for supplies and stuff like that. And yeah, I, yeah. I just, it's one of those games that is, I think definitely not for everyone, but it is, definitely for me yeah it's a just a little bit i played i can tell it's the kind of game that you have to have patience and you you can't have the big reward that we're kind of more typically used to in video games you know like there aren't big boss fights there aren't cutscenes, there aren't crazy graphics you know it's mm-hmm. um but what you're saying like the the tone of the music the kind of tone of the gameplay it kind of gives you that feeling of solitude that um, you know, if you were actually lost in the world, uh, wilderness, you wouldn't want that solitude. But seeing as we're not exactly lost in the wilderness, we're more constantly surrounded by people and bombarded nonstop by other people wanting to share their information, whether it be their thoughts or products they want to sell or stuff like that. To have something that kind of creates that feeling of solitude in a way that is just like you're injected into it. You don't have to actually like invest the, the time let alone the money to actually get solitude like that definitely sounds pretty nice when you just kind of need a break from everything yeah exactly yeah that's exactly what it is it feels like a little bit of a break and i think that a couple of these video games that's it's it's interesting you mentioned that because i think that PUBG is like this but in the entire opposite way where it makes me feel incredibly tense and anxious for 30 minutes where every single thing I do is super important because I'm likely to die at any moment. It's a way to experience that challenge, but within the safety of not actually being in that situation. I think that that's, it's interesting that video games can do that. It's just a little bit of helping you experiences an extreme situation without actually having to go through the extreme situation. And obviously it's not the same, right? I'm not saying that playing PUBG is the same as being thrown on an island with a hundred other people with orders to kill each other, right? It's it's not the same, but it's just a little like taste of that experience that you get. And, and that's really interesting. It's obviously not the same to play the long dark as it would be to be stuck on a frozen Canadian island way up north where there's no other living people and you have no idea how to survive. You know, it's it's obviously not the same, but it's, again, it's just like a little taste of what that experience could be like. Yeah, so that's um, that's kind of what I've been thinking with video games a little bit. And aside from that, like the other kind of, I guess, time investment that I typically do is, is reading, right? It's like uh, comics, books, whatever. So I've been kind of thinking harder about that, like how I want to invest my time and stuff and kind of more so just time, like also what, you know, what do I want to, like if if you subscribe to a streaming service, like if you, if you have Netflix, if you don't ever watch anything on Netflix, then you like either you just don't care about wasting money or you like feel anxious, like you're wasting something that you're spending money on. You got to use it, right? To, mm-hmm. to get the value out of it. So, like, with selling my X-Men collection, one of the things that I've been considering doing, and whether I should do it now or later or whatever, is getting a subscription to uh, the Marvel Unlimited um, service, you know? Yeah. I do want to continue reading the X-Men. I want to read the whole run. I mean, I also, like, I haven't read X-Men in probably over a year now, because I just haven't really been in the mood to. Plus, trying to read floppies compared to reading on, you know, digitally is is a bit more prohibitive right so i've been thinking about doing that but like the more i think about it the more i just keep on thinking like well if i'm not going to read it right now like why do i want to create that one more thing that i'm trying to spend my time on when i don't have time right now so the nice thing is like it's a really good deal to get a sale and pay 60 bucks for a year of marvel unlimited comes out to five bucks a month but i think it's one of those things where i'm better off spending 10 bucks for a month and doing it once every few months when i feel like it because even if I just skip every other month, I'm saving money, or I'm at least breaking even, right? So yeah, mm-hmm. I've I've been trying to be attentive to what do I have, what do I actually enjoy, 
and I've talked plenty about 20th Century Boys. I'm on the fourth volume of that right now, as a matter of fact, uh, out of the 11 that there are right now. Uh, and I love that book. Uh, I love Naoki Urasawa, who is the creator of that book. I haven't read a lot of his other stuff, but like I've loved this so much that I've just kind of been grabbing other stuff here and there. So I had grabbed a couple of like one-off books that he did. I grabbed the first volume of um, a book called uh, Monster. Mm, yeah, I've heard of that one. The other one I had heard of is Pluto. And Pluto is... I still don't exactly... I haven't put the pieces together yet, but Pluto is like a, a story kind of based off of Astro Boy. And I start looking, uh, you know, because like I was selling all these comics. So I have somebody's like, oh, maybe I'll start picking up like a volume here and there of those. And I start looking and I realize that there are certain volumes of both of those two that are you can't find right now. And I don't know if out of print is the right thing to call them. Although like right now they're not in print where you can just go buy them in a store. I don't really know how they go about printing them. And it's not very easy to find out. Like, you go to, um, I think, I think yeah, Viz. You go to Viz's website, and it's like, here's the series. It's available at all these places. But then you go to those places, and it's not actually available. Hmm. So what I did was um, I bought a couple of, of uh, volumes in person when I went down to get my last COVID shot. Because there were a couple stores down around there that I knew had, you know, were likely at least to have them. Because they have a good amount of manga. And so I kind of picked up what I could, and I looked online, and I was debating, like, do I even want to mess with this, or do I just want to be like, I'm not going to deal with this until, like, it's easy to get the volumes, you know, that are missing right now. Mm-hmm. So I did what I am like to, you know, likely to do, and I just bought everything I could. And <laughs> <laughs> There's a, a handful of volumes that aren't in print anywhere right now, but the friend who got me onto Urasawa, Joe Crawford... He told me about a website uh, that does manga and anime and everything. So I checked it out. And for all the volumes that are like out of print right now, on the, their website it says, um, out of stock, but more coming soon. So that makes hmm. me feel hopeful. Like This is a website that deals specifically in this. And so if they're offering it for sale... I'm hoping that that means that like, you know, they know more than I do. And that you know, maybe Viz just... like. They give it a while, and once everything is, like, depleted, they'll eventually reprint it and then ship it out. I'm like, I don't care how long it takes, really. I just want to get them eventually. So I was able to get Volume 1 of Pluto from my library. So it looks like I should be able to fill in the gaps just from um, requesting books from the library. Even just barely starting reading Pluto, I'm like, this is great, and I know the whole thing is going to be great. Like, he is just so good at what he does. So yeah, so like, you know, I'm thinking about like, what do I enjoy? I don't want to chase a bunch of comic books. I don't need monthly books. Um, I still have set up online like a subscription thing for like, I'm going to be getting the Bad Idea books right now. I'm getting Usagi Yojimbo just because it's one that's kind of small and simple to get, not tied to a bunch of other stuff. But then like, I have this massive database of stuff on Comixology, of Humble Bundle stuff. Since I got this new computer for work, I was able to get iTunes set up on it and I downloaded... All the stuff I have in Humble Bundle purchases that I know I have any interest in reading. There's some stuff I've either already read it and I don't need access to it because I know I'm not going to read it again. Or some stuff that I know I just don't care about reading. Um, mm-hmm. I downloaded everything else. And I got all of Attack on Titan loaded on my tablet. So yeah, it's just like it's kind of crazy when we're always like working so hard to find stuff to enjoy. And then like sometimes you sit back and look and you're like, I got more to enjoy than I ever possibly can. That's something that i have realized a lot because i recently started sorting through uh boxes of trade paperbacks um i don't know if you were kind of done with your thought oh we can keep moving okay yeah because yeah. i'm gonna hijack it hijack <laughs> away yes so since i moved in with my wife all my trade paperbacks have just been in long boxes in the garage unsorted no order to them just i threw them in there to move and they've been in there ever since because we're out of shelf space and i don't have room for them because i had an entire bookshelf worth of trade paperbacks so it's like six long boxes worth of just trade paperbacks and we have no place in the house like our our bookshelf is at capacity we have all the bookshelves that we have space for already put in the house other than putting them like in the middle of the kitchen we have no more room for bookshelves and they're all full 
we're getting to the point where we're like stacking books two layers deep and bookshelves and stuff like that and it's just uh, a mess so bookshelf space is at a premium there's absolutely no space for my trade paperbacks but I wanted to go through them but there's a ton of stuff that I have in trade paperback where like I bought the first couple volumes of a trade paperback series and now since then I've also probably bought it on Humble Bundle and may have even also bought it on Comixology unknowingly <laughs> so I have this challenge of going through and figuring out what do I have digitally that I don't need to keep in trade paperback form like for instance I have the first two or three trades of East of West and that's one that I've gotten on Humble Bundle in one of the Humble Bundles and there's a ton of small things like by Oni or Boom where I bought the first trade paperback of it just to try it out and see if I like it and since then I've gotten it all on a Humble Bundle or I got it on a Comixology sale and there's not really an easy way to keep track I feel like of what all I have between Comixology and Humble Bundle so like I had to resort to writing it down <laughs> uh, like writing down a list of okay I have this series all of this series on Humble Bundle I have all of this other series on uh, Comixology and then just taking this list and as I go through all my trade paperbacks be like oh I, I have this digitally I don't need these trade paperbacks and um, I, I feel like that is a, a challenge of a kind to keep track of what all I've got. Because I've also been in a situation where there's stuff where I bought the Humble Bundle and then I either bought it on Comixology when it was on sale or I was about to but then realized I had the Humble Bundle and didn't buy it. And so that is also a challenge just keeping track of what I've got. Because usually if a Humble Bundle comes out that where I look like, yeah, I'm, I'm remotely interested in that, I get it. Because it's so darn cheap that yeah. it's like even if I only read two or three things out of this, it's paid for itself. And yeah. there's usually like 30 things that come with it. So <laughs> it's always a huge deal. And usually there's a lot that I'm interested in in any given Humble Bundle. So, yeah, that's been a bit of a challenge lately. Because another challenge is just figuring out what I want to keep and what I don't in trade paperback form. Because I've really kind of shied away from it and it, as a format and just in terms of like getting stuff. Because I've, I've stopped buying trade paperbacks just because I know I don't have room for them. And they've all been in these boxes in my garage. And I realize I, I don't really miss them. Yeah. Like... I've never really thought in the last few years, man, I really I really wish I had those trade paperbacks available to me. There's only really like one or two things that I had in trade paperback where I wanted to go through and actually dig it out to read it. So most of it, I realized, man, I just kind of don't need this stuff as much. But at the same time, there's stuff I don't want to get rid of. Like I have the whole fables run in trade paperbacks. I have yeah. all the preacher books in trade paperback. I've got most of Cerebus in those giant Cerebus phone book volumes. Um, yeah, it's like those are good ones to keep. And I think you you see the line between like, okay, this is definitely the stuff I want to keep. Like if it were me, the first thing I would do is a low-hanging fruit. Like everything outside of like the things you just said oh, yeah. or things like that. Mm -hmm. Just get rid of them all. Like oh, it, yeah, and that's it's easier. Doing, yeah, it. like it's easier for me too because I can take them and trade them in. And even though like I don't get a lot for trade and it's still a massive. So I can be like, all right, I don't want this and go. I go trade it in a bull moose. I get some store credit. Plus, I also have the other aspect of I know bull moose is going to sell it for cheap. So somebody else gets something they want for cheap because I I've enjoyed the heck out of finding something for like a few dollars and just been so happy about it that like I'm like it adds to the value to me to know that I am creating that for somebody else, you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I, I don't think you have that same opportunity to just, like, go dump it off like that, which makes it easy, like, ripping off a Band-Aid. But, um, yeah, I'm all about, like, if unless you're like, I know I want to keep this, the thing is, like, you just said over and over how easy it is to pick this stuff up for cheap or even free digitally. Mm -hmm. I was in Bull Moose one day, and they had some volumes of uh, different Brian Wood books, like, 
full collections of different things like demo and I don't remember what else. And I was looking through and they were really cheap because they were used copies. And Bull Moose sells their books like about 30% off anyways. Then if you get them used, they're even cheaper. So I was like, oh, well, maybe I'll check this stuff out. And I thought, huh, you know, wait a second, let me look. And I pulled out my phone and I went on to uh, the Hoopla app and saw that I could read all that stuff on Hoopla for free. So I'm like, well, why am I going to spend yeah. like five bucks for this, even though that's a really good deal, when I can read it for free? I don't even know if I'm going to like it or not, you know? So that's... Yeah, especially when it's stuff like where you're not interested in owning the object, just in owning the, just in reading the story. You have a. Did you get your thought out? Are you there? Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> I thought you <laughs> were gone. <laughs> I was like, "What's going on here?" And then I spaced out. I was like, yeah. "I don't know what to do now. I need an adult." Oh, well, oh. oh no! <laughs> emergency! Emergency! <laughs> Say yeah, something. You know, you know, when you break that, I need to own the object, and it's really just about you know, I want to experience this media. There's just so many acceptable ways to experience the media for less money or cheap or free. Um, I like how I said less money and then cheap. Like, those weren't the same thing. Yeah. That it, Or inexpensive. Yeah. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. they, that's the best, definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's so many ways to do that, that when you start to kind of draw that line or, you know, get rid of stuff that you know you don't care about actually owning – um, like Hoopla has been great for that for me. There's a lot of times I'll look at something like, oh yeah, I'm going to get this. Cause I go into like, you know, to bull moose or wherever, like I want to get something and I want that thing to make me happy. And then I'll pick up this book and be like, yeah, I want to get this. Then I'll look on Hoopla. I'll be like, well, I can read it anytime I want to. Like, why am I going to buy this? I like, do I really mm-hmm. want to keep this book? Like, do I want this book? Cause I want this book so I can keep on looking at it again. And more often than not, the answer is no, I don't really want it. Uh, and sometimes the answer is yes. You know, like uh, I, so uh, I now that uh, Usagi Ojimbo is with IDW, they're starting to release trade paperbacks collecting um, from, I, w- I was confused at first. I thought it was from a certain point, but not from the very, very beginning. Because like the first seven trade paperbacks of, of Usagi from the very, very beginning were with fancy graphics. And I thought that it was starting after that point. But then I realized it actually was starting from the very beginning. So you can't get any of the old collections anymore of the Fantagraphics stuff unless you like are paying like high second market prices because they're out of print. Because uh, I'm assuming that all the rights are now owned by IDW and not by other companies. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. When I was like, oh, I, re- I realize what this is now. And like the one thing, and for some people this might be not be what they wanted, is the originals were black and white and these have been colored. So, you know, some people are like, ah, it was black and white to begin with. I wanted to stay black and white. With Usagi, it, it really kind of works coloring it, too, because of the, you know, the style of his art is a, a very cartoony style. It's not, you know, a realistic style where adding color to something that was drawn to look good in black and white kind of doesn't quite fit as well. That's where I was like, I might be able to get that and read it other way. Actually, I own it all digitally on Comixology. But I really love Usagi and being able to like hold the book in your hands and you know read it in a physical book is different. Um, so that's one where to me it's like I might have other access to it or be able to read it for cheaper, but it's worth it, you know. Sure. So there, there's a couple things that I have found that are uh, frustrating though in this process a little bit. One is I'm there's just things I'm missing. <laughs> For example, I'm missing the first Astro City trade. Uh huh. I have two and three, and I know I used to have it at some point because I think we were talking about Astro City uh, a while back, and I yeah. thought, man, I'd like to read some Astro City. And I am just somehow missing the first trade. I must have let somebody borrow it, and now it's just gone. Those bastards. But and now the also, it's not available digitally. Like, it's not on Comixology. It just really? isn't there. Yeah. And I think it may have something to do with the rights have moved from company to company. And I I looked it up, and some people are saying, yeah, it's not here. All my old purchases are still there, but I can't buy anything new sort of thing. I think it's like that 
the rights moved to image so image was publishing it but now the rights are not with image anymore so image can't publish it so but it hasn't been like published by anyone else yet it's one of those kind of crazy things and but right now i don't have a good way to read astro city yeah there's no way to just like grab it and go and some of the trade paperbacks are kind of pricey they're not the trade paperbacks where you go on ebay and they're three dollars plus five dollars shipping you know they're twenty dollars plus five dollars shipping or something like that yeah so yeah that's one where i'm gonna have to kind of keep an eye out for them if i'm ever in a used bookstore and see if i find them and and get them that way yeah it's always frustrating when you realize that type of thing with certain things um yeah uh, yeah, I mean, kind of like uh, what I was just saying with Monster and Pluto, except it's like I wasn't already collecting it and realized I had a hole. Like, I, I'm like, oh, I want this now. Because, like, 20th Century Boys, you can find all of that. It's still coming out. Yeah, I, I don't know. It, we're spoiled by feeling like stuff should always be available to us. And when we find mm-hmm. out something isn't, then we're like, what is this? Yeah. <laughs> and then we got to have it because it's not available to us. Uh-huh. The other thing that I ran into is, did you get the Witchblade Humble Bundle? Uh, uh, I believe I did, Any number yeah. of them. Yeah, I, I think there may have been a couple of them at this point where it's like every single Witchblade comic ever and all sorts of related stuff is is thrown in there and it's just a, a ton of Top Cow Witchblade stuff. Yeah. I was buying the Witchblade trade paperbacks a while back before I really got into the digital thing. But in that humble bundle, there's one series called Broken Trinity, which I think was like a minor event at some point. It was kind of like an event comic where a few different series were leading up to it, I think. And But it's not in the humble bundles at all. So I have this one random trade paperback that... I need to keep because it's the one thing that isn't in all the humble bundles. <laughs> so that's kind of frustrating because I wanted to just throw all the Witchblade in the get rid of box, but I had to keep this one trade paperback for that reason. But do you need to? You don't have to have it. Well, I'm going to want it though if I read Witchblade, right? Because are you, yeah, you going to go like, I've read all this Witchblade, I don't need one more thing. Are you ever going to read all the Witchblade? Tell me all the things that you've read all of. I am going <laughs> to read all the Witchblade, Paul. And I don't care what you say. It's so going to happen say. someday. It's going to happen someday. So you think. I think, you're, I think you're selling yourself on keeping something you don't want because you convince yourself it'll happen. But I do that too. I think you're like, right now, there's two little beings on my shoulder and you're the one with the red skin and the big horns am i though i'm the one telling you uh to not keep all this clutter in your house there's no halo over your head right now paul ask your wife am i the the angel or whoa 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 (laughs) i think she we all know that wives are the enemies of comic book collections everywhere (laughs) ironically my wife is uh, a big part of the reason why i'm into comics yeah okay yeah Uh, not my wife Yeah, yeah. I'm, I was actually looking through all the stuff, and oh my gosh, there's so much freaking Witchblade. And that's one of those things for me that uh, I don't even know if I'm going to like it, but it was so cheap, it's like, why not try? <laughs> you know? I did like it, actually, quite a bit. I read like the first four or five trade paperbacks of Witchblade mm-hmm. a while back. And when I say the first four or five, I really mean the Ron Mars series that when he come in when he came on as writer i think around issue 80 or so he really revitalized the book in a lot of ways and made it a lot better because witchblade the origins of witchblade is she's a character whose clothes explode off of her and she has like a battle armor bikini on underneath right like that's what that was the origins of the character in a lot of ways right that's really what she was about Mm -hmm. when ron mars came on he took it a little more seriously and made it a lot less just about whatever good girl cheesecake type of stuff and really started to flesh out the story and the mythology and tell really interesting stories and so i i do like it i i think it's pretty darn good it's 
kind of just like fun, good soap opera ish comics. You know, I would say where it's like it's it's nothing groundbreaking. It's no Dark Knight Returns or Watchmen or anything, but it's very entertaining in its little self-contained world. So I I think I would give it a, a recommendation. Like I wouldn't even put it like high or highest recommendation, just a recommendation. But yeah, it's 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 a decent book that I've enjoyed when I've read it. And one thing that um that I've definitely found over the years reading comics is there's some stuff that you know how you have those things are like yes this is my thing and I will tout this at any moment uh, because I think it's good and then there are the things that are your like guilty pleasures that you like to read sometimes but like you'd be embarrassed to tell anybody you read mm-hmm. and then there's the things that like one moment you you might be like I, I don't like this I don't want to read this because you try to read something and then. I don't know, six months later, you pick it up again. You're like, oh, I like this now. I want to read this. That stuff happens a lot with me where it's like, if I'm not in the right mood for something, I might be like, I don't think this thing is good. But then when I, I hit it at the right time, suddenly it like it's either just good or sometimes it's great. And it's something that like I would have overlooked. And yeah, so that, that's why like something like Witchblade, like I've never read Witchblade. I only kind of vaguely know anything about it. But when the Humble Bundle's that cheap, it's like, okay, well, if I like, if I read at least a little bit of it, like, it would cost more to pick up, like, two trade paperbacks of this than to get the Humble Bundle that has all this stuff in it. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's you know, it's really low risk. Plus, if I pick up a trade paperback of something, and then I don't read it for a while, and it's not something that I want because I know I want it, like we just talked about, I'm going to get rid of it before I even read it, because I'm going to get tired of the clutter at some point, you know? So digitally, it's like you can mm-hmm. – it can be dangerous too because it's really easy to stockpile stuff. And that's why I make sure with Humble Bundles, I don't just buy every Humble Bundle because you could easily waste a lot of money even though it's a good value. Like I'm kind of looking through my Humble Bundles a little bit. The Witchblade one I haven't used enough to be worthwhile, but I know at some point I will. Uh, I got a Star Wars one that I haven't touched. And at some point I'll try to give that a go. And, like, I think I'll be able to get the, you know, at least the value out of that. I got the Spawn one. I haven't read it yet, but, event like, I know with that one, too. Like, I can at least give it enough usage that I'll get its value out of it. Um, one of the worst value ones for me was actually one of stuff that I really liked, which was the Valiant one. Because I read it all already, and I haven't, like, had the desire oh, yeah. to read it from the Humble Bundle. But I also, like, a lot of it, this is the only way that I have it available to read now, and someday I probably will. I got a Judge Dredd Humble Bundle. Um, haven't really given that a go yet, but I know that that one I'll get the value out of. The one I've probably used the most is I got a G.I. Joe Transformers Humble Bundle that has like all the IDW collections, which the IDW collections are like the hardcover books that collect everything in reading order, including like the the second secondary series and stuff like that. Um, and I've been focusing on the G.I. Joe one. I think I'm on volume four or five of that. Um, and it's been a lot like I've been working on reading it for a very long time now. But, like, that one's really been worth it. Um, I had gotten a, a, an Image one, like, back when Image seemed more exciting to me than it does now. Um, like, Image always has some good stuff, and it always has a lot of stuff that just, like, isn't for me, you know? Mm-hmm. I got a Dynamite one, which would have been a total bust, I think, except I actually read a bunch of the Red Sonia, and that was good. And I might have tried, like, a little bit of the other stuff, but for the most part, like, I definitely learned that Dynamite just isn't a publisher that I typically like what they do. And I got an Attack on Titan once. I have all this Attack on Titan stuff. That's kind of like everything I've gotten. So, like, right now I'm in the, the place where I've definitely gotten the value out of, like, two of these Humble Bundles. And I have so many that I haven't even tried really tapping into yet. But I know that when I do, it won't take very much to get the, like, the, you know, between, like, 15 and $30 I spent to get all this material. So, yeah, Humble Bundles can be cool. But then also, they can just be a bunch of files on your computer. Yeah, and that's kind of what they are right now for me. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm looking through this stuff. I've got so much, and in humble bundles. Yeah, and yeah. The difference though is, you know, a twenty five dollar humble bundle that's like I don't know, say twenty trades sitting on your computer doesn't take up twenty trades worth of space. It only costs you like twenty five bucks. Those twenty trades cost you even reasonably like. $300 if you, you know, yeah. bought mm. them all. So, yeah, kind of a good way to go. 
it's funny too and i like i look at this and i'm like oh man but i want to start reading this oh i want to start reading this like so many things i want to delve into and no time yeah there's a ton of stuff that i want to read it's just don't have time or don't have the mental energy to commit to it yeah it's been one of the nice things about giving up the feeling like i have to subscribe to monthly comics and then read those monthly to keep up with them it's like i just i just don't want to like there's mm-hmm. if i want to read something i want to like delve into something bigger where it's like the one thing i'm focusing on i don't want to jump all over the place cool i think maybe this is the right place to wrap this one up we've been going a little over an hour so i think it is a a nice hour with sean and paul i think it's been a lovely hour everybody's very privileged to listen to this you're welcome out there in earbud land all right so like we said at the beginning you can follow my friend paul here on twitter at who's paul and you can find me on twitter at bad deacon and you can come say hello and we will say hello and then we'll kind of leave it at that because that's an awkward way to start a conversation but (laughs) it's still kind of nice Find all the other episodes wherever you found this one because you know how to listen to podcasts if you're listening to this one. All right, Paul, I think that's going to wrap this one up. That does wrap it up. I'm going to go read some 20th Century Boys now, I think. Awesome. Sounds good. Sounds good.